0: W-A-P-G, it's the Airline Pilot Guy.
1: Airline Pilot Guy, episode 385.
2: Yeah, he's up in the sky, it's the
1: Airline Pilot Guy. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy show, the view from our side of the cockpit door. I'm Captain Jeff, your host, broadcasting live from Mobile Studio 1A in Oshkosh, EAA Air AirVenture 2019. Today's show was recorded on the twenty-fifth of july,
2: twenty nineteen. He's, he's by the airline pilot
1: guy. In today's episode, we're going to talk about Oshkosh. 2019, EAA AirVenture, actually Osh Be- blast 2019, we're going to answer all of your questions, but we're going to try anyway, we're going to have a great time. So get all settled in, tray tables and seatbacks in your upright and lock positions, electronic devices powered on. Flight 385 is ready for pushback. <plugin> Applause! <claws> <cleaned> <inaudible> Yay! Yeah. Alright, welcome everybody. We have a huge live audience. Must be, I don't know, 1,000, 2,000 people here. Tens of thousands. Tens of please. tens of people. Tens of people. Yes. Uh, and uh, we're outside of the RV, the, the Oshkosh Mobile, Oshblast Mobile, what are we calling it? This RV, the palace, <laughs> the gin palace, yes. And uh, we have a great crowd here. Uh, every so many, I look around and I see so many good friends and then uh, most everybody that I haven't met. Um... No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, we need to introduce the people that are going to help me answer all these questions. So, from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, sitting right next to me, she is a doctor, a skydiver, a marathon runner, a strength training junkie, an IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi engine instrument rated pilot. Her name? Dr. Staff!
3: Woo! Hey! So glad to see all of you guys here today. This is really awesome. There are a lot of people here, so that's fantastic. We're looking forward to a really great show and getting all of your participation and feedback today, and I'm happy to be here to help uh, help along.
1: Very good. And also joining us from Oshkosh, he's a professional photographer, a former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, a former captain for an international airline based in London,
4: Captain Nick. Well. Wow. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's great to be here. First Oshkosh. I'm a virgin, well I used to be, but I retired 54 days ago. Hey. Hey. The skies are safe. And
1: also from Oshkosh. The barbecue master, motorcycle rider, pontoon boat skipper, underwater photographer and captain for a major US legacy carrier. His name is Captain Dana.
5: Good morning, everybody. Glad to see everybody came and joined our great podcast that we can include everybody in today, hopefully. And looking forward to a fun-filled
1: day here in Oshkosh. Sweet. And we have a very special person who is not normally with us when we do a live show. She's always there, though, in the background. She is from Toronto, and she is our producer, Liz Piper.
2: everybody it's great to be here and it's great to be with the crew and i'll be monitoring some questions hopefully from the chat room and let's see where this thing goes
1: let's see where it goes All right. there we have we have our introductions here and now we are going to just start off with let's see captain nick would you like to say something about your first experience here at oshkosh i guess basically for all of us even for me even though i had a little bit of a brief exposure to Oshkosh back, or EA air AirVenture back in uh, 2017. It was just an afternoon. Realized that there was no way you could hardly see anything in just an afternoon. So we decided that our big meetup this year would be at Oshkosh. And so we're basically all Oshkosh virgins.
4: Yeah, it's, it's amazing, Jeff. When I uh, retired, I thought that would kind of be uh, me and aviation put to one side. But this is like my final swan song and a chance to uh, participate in uh, the most amazing air show I have ever, ever been to. And I've been to a few in my life. I find it absolutely remarkable that there are so many wonderful, friendly, happy, aviation-minded people here. Uh, we've been wandering around and, you know, they see an old white-haired man and people will stop and give me a lift and, You know they'll pick me up off the road when I'm drunk. Um, people, people, like, show me the way. They keep saying, oh, the old people's home, it's over there. Uh, and I've, I've had a ball. I really have had a ball so far. It's, it's fantastic. I really want to come back again. Uh, so let's do this again in a few years. Absolutely. You. All right. Okay, let's see,
1: Steph, this is your first time as well? It is. Okay. First Oshkosh, um,
3: obviously known about it for a very long time, Um, just has never really worked out to get up here. It seems like we're always doing something else around this time of year in other countries, and I'm not sure why that is, but glad to be here. Um, You know, like everyone else, I think, completely just blown away at the scale of the event that happens here. You know, I, I know everyone knows that I run, so the other morning I went out for a you know, short 10-mile run, but I managed to do it all within the grounds of Oshkosh. I was all the way up to the North 40, all the way down to the South 40, and actually a couple times back and forth in between there to to see everything. So, nice way to get a uh, lay of the land, kind of see everything that's out there, and then you can kind of focus in and pick out the bits that you want to see in more detail. So, um, I will say the night show last night was by far my favorite so far. That was incredible. Uh, Absolutely amazing display going on there. And looking forward to the rest of the week.
1: Very nice. Hey, Dana what yeah. have uh, what's your experience been so far?
5: well it's been fantastic actually one of my favorite things about this whole entire experience is meeting everybody here that's really one of the one of the best things about this whole entire week meeting everybody um, this is my fourth trip to Oshkosh I haven't been here and I kind of lost track probably about 17 years ago hasn't changed a whole lot other than it's a lot of good times. First time I had ever seen the night show last night as well. It was fantastic. It was the best air show I've ever seen in my life. So, uh, But seriously, I got to go on the... uh, Didn't get on the 74800 because that line was too long, but I did get on the uh, United 787. Beautiful airplane, beautiful cockpit. Uh, So I would have to say, other than the uh, passenger configuration on that aircraft, uh, it's my favorite aircraft I've ever stepped foot on. No, I'm only kidding, Nick.
4: I'm good, I'm retired now, so I have no formal affiliation.
5: That's all right. So anyways, I was on the 3, as most of you heard, I was on the 330 not too long ago, and that's uh, actually quite a nice aircraft as well. Um, I'm looking forward to the 350 someday. But anyways, uh, Oshkosh, just seeing all the aircraft, hanging out with all the aviation community, uh, especially the APG community,
1: has been amazing. It is amazing. Liz, so this is your first time, and uh, what do you think?
2: It is my first time, Jeff. And uh, I think I just echo what uh, Steph said about the scale. I mean, forget the aircraft. This campground that we're in is immense. And the number of giant RVs um, is just, it's mind blowing. I mean, there there are people tenting, there are people with smaller pop-ups. I mean, it's just uh, rows and rows and rows of enthusiastic people here spending the week looking at planes. but I think Dana said it so well. For me, it's all about the people. I've had online chats with a lot of people here, but then I finally got to meet them and put a face to the name, and that means a lot to me. So um, thanks, everybody, for coming today, and thanks for being APG fans. So um, it's been great.
1: Yes, and now the best part of the show, which in this case is hearing from all of you, our listeners, APG community. Anybody want to... uh Say anything and start off with uh, their experience or
6: uh, question or whatever, Al? Well, if they don't, it's going to be very short, it isn't will. it? <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, thanks thanks <laughs> thank you for coming.
2: Enjoy the rest of Oshkosh. It's lovely to meet you. all. I, I do have a question from the chat room also.
1: Okay. Go ahead. Okay.
2: From Lane Street, Lane is saying, what's everyone's favorite plane that they've seen or they want to see at Oshkosh? How many people do you think we have here? What's a good, good guess? Has anyone counted? Uh, 40-ish 40 people. I
3: think you'll get 40 different answers, to be fair. But I, I think
2: he was asking the crew. Actually, oh,
3: us? Uh, yeah. uh, well, no one cares about our <laughs> answers. Well, he seems to. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. Go ahead, Dana.
5: B-51 Mustang. Beautiful aircraft and great to see it flying around, especially flying around with current uh, military aircraft. And just absolutely amazing to see that piece of history flying around in the sky still. So which B-51? all of them there's not one i I, you know they're all
4: beautiful to me good answer if you can't remember their names (laughs) um uh, f-22 that aeroplane was stunning i really don't understand why you guys didn't just have the Mm f-22 obviously there are some political decisions in there i suspect but the f-35 i'm sure will be in its time a fine airplane but that f-22 and the display it put on was fantastic and for me an ex-fighter pilot i was so damn jealous of that guy and all those guys that will get to fly that machine and if there's anyone here thinking of uh, starting a career in the United States Air Force you are one or a bunch of lucky sons of guns because uh, if you ever get to fly that thing I'm going to be extremely jealous
3: so can I pick two sure okay good uh, so I already mentioned I really enjoyed the night show last night, but the Beach 18 was by far my favorite display there. That was just very graceful, beautiful. Love seeing how uh, uh, um, that flying display. Sorry, there's a bug attacking my face. Uh, <laughs> but then static display-wise, um, I have watched a bunch of the uh, YouTube videos. The guy who has the modified Wilga, the Draco. Um, that's just a really cool aircraft. So to see it up close and in person was, was pretty neat.
1: I have to uh, also echo... Captain Nick's uh, thoughts about the F-22. Just an amazing display, and an airplane that defies aerodynamics and physics and everything else. It's just a, an incredible machine, and it's loud, which is great for an air show. Uh And it and the uh, afterburner looked great at uh, at uh, dusk last night. Uh, and seeing the the vectored thrust was just uh, just amazing.
4: Yeah, I was so lucky to get some decent pictures of that last night. I have uh, to put them up on the website. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait to see your photos from that. Those.
1: Yeah, and then I've always loved seaplanes, uh, amphibians, and the Grumman al- Albatross out there on the flight line. It just uh, looks so pretty. I love, I just love the whole era of seaplanes and amphibians. So uh, that's one of my favorites, I guess. Liz,
2: um, I think I really enjoyed the Texans last night. Yeah. Uh, to Canadians, they're Harvards, um, but they <laughs> <Go> it,
4: Canada. <laughs> they
2: they put on an excellent show last night, and I really enjoyed seeing them.
4: That was good
6: all right uh jeff you said about uh having a little bit of an affinity to to the seaplanes you need yeah. to get yourself down to the seaplane i do want to
1: do that before we leave for sure yeah yeah, yeah.
6: okay yeah, we'll so, so i'm gonna well risk life and limb here so um when i get to you just say who you are um because not everybody is watching and uh, then fire away with your question so
5: and i'll try not to show my better side of the camera here um, <laughs> uh, too late <laughs> yeah <laughs> my name is pj from houston texas uh so First of all I want to um, you mentioned the, seeing the um, the 787 so obviously that's an airline that's flying in a large airliner in here with in a place where they don't have airline service so question for the crew is have you ever done a flight to an airport where you don't typically serve and what type of extra logistics go into that type of planning
6: Oh that's a good one to get your teeth into isn't it
4: That certainly is right? teacup. Oh, thank you very much. Great yeah, Somebody oh, keeping track of the best question? Oh, you want the question? teacup? Yeah, we do like that. I don't know who the Liz is. Liz is going to be the arbiter of the best ah, question. You're the um, judge. D- uh, most <laughs> well-designed uh, airliners are pretty self-sufficient. So really all you're looking for is uh, fuel because, you know, most other things are going to keep going, at least to get you out of that uh, airfield and on somewhere else where you can be better served. And uh, even uh, on the A340 I used to fly, if we couldn't get... Uh, to pump fuel under the wings. We could open fuel caps on top of the wings and put a hose in there and pump fuel in any which way. So a well-designed airliner, it can go to almost anywhere. You've got your own power unit there, your EPU, your air conditioning. You can provide your own electricity. All you really need is gas and hopefully the engines will have enough oil in them left to do the next uh, sector. so And you can get gas in almost any which way. Uh, You could even get a guy climbing up on the wing with a jerry can if you really wanted to. But it's feasible. Exactly right, it's feasible. And when we did our captain's course they covered exactly those kind of circumstances because they say you divert to some of the remote places in Africa because uh, you've got a, a problem. It turns out to be benign and you don't need a rescue, we can get you straight out. Then uh, we expect you to be able to refuel your own aircraft, do your own turnaround, get your hands dirty for a change, and uh, then uh, climb back in and get it off the ground. So, yeah, uh, hopefully it should be doable from almost anywhere.
1: I think the logistics of the passengers, uh, if if that's necessary to, uh, you know, special handling for the passengers, that's the thing that's going to be a tough thing as far as. Fuel and you know getting clearances and everything else. Uh, the, as you said, most modern airliners are self-sufficient in that in that matter. What about uh, mad dog. Mad dog. Yeah. Oh yeah. We can we can fly it anywhere.
5: Yeah. As long as we get our labs dumped. That's the most important thing, really. Anywhere there is coal,
1: the Mad Dog is welcome. That's right. <laughs> most countries still have clean burning coal. Um, but uh, what else was I going to say? Um, and perhaps. If you're going to be there for some time for whatever reason you know the logistics of you know having food and water and that kind of thing for again for the passenger handling that's going to be the critical thing I think
5: In, in all fairness at ACME quotation marks uh, we do have what's called a charter coordinator that actually goes with like we have the NBA charter that's one of the things that we do a lot of they actually own several of our aircraft that we fly for them um, but so we have a coordinator that takes care of all those other issues we don't as a as a crew don't necessarily have to get fully involved. They'll take care of all the passenger service issues, aircraft service issues, um, fueling, all that, local transportation, that's all in the charter coordinator's hands uh, that we provide. So um, flight planning and all that coordination as well goes through
1: him. And that's if we were planning to go to a right. place like exactly. Oshkosh, but if we divert to somewhere, then yeah, it's a little bit different.
5: But. Yeah, I was, I was answering the, uh, the other aspect of it,
6: if it's yeah. a planned situation. yeah. It was a really good question, just to uh, add on to that, if, if I may. Yes. Um, I was fortunate in a, in a former life to take the, the A330 on ad hoc charters. And one of the big factors is, have they got a set of steps? Because it's all well and good going there, but if you can't get off it... <laughs> you've got a problem. That's where the mad dog doesn't have a problem. Well, absolutely. We <laughs> uh, and, and Nick will relate to this. Uh, just going back to something Dana was saying uh, from the ETOPS side of things quite often there are ETOPS alternates that are used that you really 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 wouldn't want to go to and uh, there's a place in Canada that's used a lot for planning which is Churchill. Yes, sir. Uh, there's not a lot there as I was informed <laughs> and the biggest problem that you have is that the 330 can't do a 180 degree turn on a standard 45 meter wide runway? So if you land, you're kind of stuck. <laughs> so, but a, a really good question. Who who wants to come up with one next? Okay, that's an easy one.
1: Oh wait, we have one here. Let's say who you are and hi, I'm your question.
3: I'm Kirsten from Seattle, and I was wondering, especially the guys who went down to Fisk to watch the arrivals. Now that you know what it's like, did you ever want to try it yourself?
4: I would love to, absolutely. Uh, yes. A quick, quick
3: question about that. Do you mean try it yourself, as in be the controller or fly in?
4: Oh, uh, rent rent an airplane or bring your own airplane yeah. and fly it yourself. Yeah, I absolutely. Um, I think uh, now my airline days are behind me. I would love to do some GA flying, perhaps. But it's a bit expensive and i'm a very poor man now so <laughs> oh. that's okay nick but we'll take
3: care of it next year you and me we'll f-
4: we'll fly <laughs> in cool okay. next coffee fund yeah uh, so you <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're relating to know. the uh little there are little
6: no violins here nick i did <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> little piece i did uh, for uh, the our patreons because we went up with the rh who is indeed here i see <laughs> dave da- dad He's over there. rh is over there brilliant and thanks uh, it was really nice of you to take me up there, and we had a blast chatting to the controllers and seeing how they do their job. I know RH, well, obviously he works in a little old uh, airfield, the grass growing out of the air traffic control tower. And <laughs> they use loud hailers to speak to the uh, the aircraft. He was, just, he was just blown away with the skill and the professionalism of the guys up there, and particularly how well they coordinated, feeding information to the guy with the radio, uh, alerting everyone of what was going on, with an uh, overall supervisor behind, making sure that uh, aircraft kept their spacing and, and if necessary stepping in and firing people out of the line, you know, you, go home. <laughs> so, It was very, very impressive. I'd love to give it a go. Um, uh, I'd like to actually just sit beside someone uh, so I don't carry the can if everything goes wrong. I just, uh, yeah. So Steph could fly me in. That yeah, I'm just a a, on log for much. the it's ride. Great question.
3: I'm just going to leave the NOTAM in your lap, all 30 pages of it. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> just <laughs> make sure that I'm doing what it says. Quick, well, the page control-
4: 18. Page the controllers 18. up there were saying they get people who they don't even believe that they actually read the no-dam. Can you Can you believe that? I, yeah, I've yeah. heard going crazy. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
5: I've, I've actually done it twice. I brought in my Piper Warrior when I owned it, way back when, when I was building time, just like some people out here have done, uh, and I've also flown in here an Apache Geronimo. Geronimo! Geronimo! Geronimo, so the three of us that were building time as well, and that aircraft, uh, 150 horsepower per side, the engine, if one engine quit, the other one would get you to the crash machine. That thing did not fly very well on its own, so I've done it twice. It's awesome.
6: Excellent. Okay, I heard a
7: shout from over this side, okay. Hi, uh, my name is Tim and I'm from Los Angeles area. And I I was wondering, in today's world of GPS and all kinds of precision approaches, do you ever fly a non-precision approach on a regular uh, scheduled flight? And uh, related, do you practice those in the sim?
4: New York, would you believe the gateway to America There are several approaches uh, into uh, JFK that are non-precision approaches, uh, some of which lead to a a visual conversion, which for the 747s and the big uh, airliners come in there can be pretty testing at times. So yeah, I find it remarkable as well because people wouldn't believe really that one of the busiest and uh, um, most prestigious airports in the United States uh, doesn't have an ILS set up for every runway. Well. To be fair, they do, but for various airspace constraints, they have to use non-precision approaches. I still find that remarkable.
1: Yeah, a lot of the places that we fly the Mad Dog, um, they'll have ILSs on certain runways because of the wind conditions. We may have to use another runway, and a lot of times they're non-precision approaches. And so, and yes, to answer your question, we do routinely, um, every time we go into the simulator, we do practice uh, non- non-precision approaches.
5: And I don't understand why the uh, sim instructor
1: doesn't accept
5: when I say I'm going to declare an emergency when we're going to do an NDB approach. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it just doesn't doesn't like that one. Yeah, we still do NDB approaches because there are a couple of our airports that uh, the Mad Dog serves at Acme <laughs> that in certain cases that may be the only approach. And that really is an emergency situation. It
5: really is. NDB approach. I, I mean, it's actually in some some respects a lot easier because we can, you know, with the FMS, we can... Overlay the approach on our screen so we can actually see it. Even though we have to fly the needle, all right, we still can see it. Visually. Yeah, it's a lot easier with so the FMS. It, it really is an easy approach.
1: Back in the 72, we didn't have that, and we were actually using the needle on the ADF to fly those approaches. There
4: was. There are plenty of airfields where we uh, would use fly a back course ILS, which is a you know the fly the ILS backwards with no glide slope, so it is a non precision approach. And requires some thinking about. So, did you go go to anywhere like that regularly?
1: Uh, yeah, I think as uh, one of the is it Daytona Beach, Daytona it has a Beach, back course. yeah, uh, to yeah. Uh, to and the west.
4: A yeah. number of the Canadian airfields use use those, and that, that's a for a one-off when you've only ever really done it in the simulator. That would be an interesting approach.
1: Albany, Georgia. Stephen Ivy is saying, but we don't fly. Uh, Acme doesn't fly into Albany. No. College Station. We don't fly there either. Yeah. But it's going to be the, that kind of an airport that uh, has those types. of. Yeah, you had to fly backwards.
3: Yeah.
1: All right. Okay, who's up next? Wait, we have a question in have, from the, chat. From the okay. chat
2: room. This is from Mike Harrington, and it's for you, Nick, or Colonel Jeff, I guess, could answer it as well. How do you crank a modern-day fighter jet? Do they have keys?
4: <laughs>
1: you just... You pull hard.
4: Yeah, let's let Colonel Jeff answer this one because uh, he's uh, even more current uh, fighter pilot than me. Hi, guys. I'm I'm the good-looking Jeff.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank um, you for pointing that out.
4: Yeah. Best, uh, Stephen.
0: By the way, thank you for the picture. The F-15s landed this morning. Um, I'll mimic what uh, Nick said about the F-22. I watched that thing take off last night. What he did took me twice that distance to do the same thing. It's not fair.
4: Let's just uh, remember that Colonel Jeff flew an F-15 Eagle. He is an Eagle driver.
0: Yeah, Uh, the uh, the the F-15 was very easy to start. Kind of like starting your lawnmower. There was a handle on the right side of the cockpit. There was one switch you had to to make sure it was on first, the fuel switch. You turn that. You just pulled a handle and you were firing. It was like pull starting a um, a lawnmower. And (laughs) it it really, there was no battery in the F-15 for weight. The airplane was designed to be lightweight, so there was no battery. So you would pull that handle, would fire in a, a hydraulic accumulator that would spin up this little motor about the size of one of these speakers up here. So about, you know, three by three big, biggest. And that connected through a gearbox that would start the engines. It was the only way to start the airplane, unless you were airborne and you wanted to do an air start. If the airplane was on the ground, there was no place to hook up air, nothing. There was no external power, nothing. It was that JFS and that was it. And it was just as simple. You lift a little lever on the throttle, it engaged the gearbox and the engine started. You did one at a time. And the first time you could talk to anybody outside the airplane was when the first generator came online. Because you could, it, like in the Strike Eagle we had two of us. I couldn't talk to the backseater until the JFS came online. The JFS gave me intercom with the crew chief, the backseater, and it gave me fire protection and detection for the JFS, not for the engine. <laughs> so as soon as the engine came on, if it was on fire, that's when I found out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or look out the window, maybe. Sounds like a
0: great design. Uh, having had that happen, it's really sporty, <laughs> especially when the airplane came off the ground, sitting in the chocks because the JFS exploded. Ooh! Um, wow, great so story. Does the JFS
1: w- use uh, rocket fuel?
0: No, it's, it's it's sucking fuel out of the main tank. Okay. And uh, it's a tiny little thing. The F sixteen. The it was
4: kind of similar. Yeah. Uh, let me think how I started the Hornet. Uh, switch, switch, throttle, throttle. <laughs> that was about it, yeah? Then you had things like the Rhino, which uh,
0: Nick flew, the F4, and they could do, uh, what do they call those bang sticks? The bank, the plugs
4: that cart you... The cart starts. The cart starts. Ah, uh, no, no, we cart were much more sophisticated.
0: See, in the U.S. Air Force, we had these cartridges, and the B-52s use them as well when they're on alert, where if they don't have external power, external air, it was like a little explosive charge that would literally spin the engine fast enough for it to start it was quite the detonation
1: (laughs) we have jim howard over here who has spent some time in an f4 but he's just a navigator so we're not going to give him the microphone (laughs) just kidding i'm sorry (laughs) thank you (laughs) no give him the microphone come on (laughs) do you have anything to add to that jim well, hang on. Yeah, hold that thought. Hold and that thought. While you transfer. Anybody that's
5: late arriving, we ask that everybody stays away from the camper. Do not touch that camper. They're nice enough to allow us to uh, be next to the camper, but we. Uh, he's very uh, very uh, cautious on his uh, paint job. Also, right up here in front of the uh, camper over here, the red cooler, free beer. So free beer Go ahead. water. Free beer. Free beer. Go get
1: some free beer. Just a $50 donation for that.
7: Uh, I was just... Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I've started, I cart started a number of times in the air force, but normally in the F4, we would have a ground power unit that would give us electrical and air so that it's like a big hose, like a big dryer hose would plug into the airplane, pump air through the motor, spin them that way. That's easier on the motors and you only get one chance with the cart. Uh, I did one day of air defense alert and we started it that way. Uh. And I, we did like some Indy 500 days where we tried to generate a thousand sorties, literally a thousand sorties a day, and I cart started there. So it was just something you would do if you went off station and there was no power cart, you would you would take a cart, couple of carts with you to start. And you couldn't interlock. You couldn't do the. You had to start them both that way. It wasn't like I think a T-38 has a switch or something where right. you can start okay. one, it'll start the other by itself. We couldn't do that. Oh.
1: Very good. Anybody else?
7: Nope. Josiah Freeman from Phoenix. And uh, my question is, for those of us who don't have a thousand hours to go back and listen to all of the past episodes. What?
3: <laughs> we need you to leave. Take the microphone.
7: <laughs> yeah, sorry. Bye. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. I know it's going to cut his microphone so that, off. So that go around the ceiling works then. <laughs>
7: So my, my question is just, um, if we could get a shorthand story about how all the crew got together, obviously, Captain Jeff, you started it, but how did everyone else get on board the crew?
3: Good question.
1: Okay, I'll try to make it as short as possible. <laughs> so... supposed to pin That That's what she said. That's what she said. There we go. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so I started this back in 2009 about September of 2009, I believe. And it was called Catholic Pilot at the time. I was with a Catholic podcasting network. I wanted to play with microphones and mixers and all this fun stuff here. I had to have an excuse to start a podcast in a Catholic podcasting network. And I thought, well, I don't really know anything but flying airplanes and barely. And so I thought, I'm going to start a a, a podcast and I'm going to call it Catholic Pilot. And I found out right away that... Nobody really cared anything about me talking about Catholicism. They wanted to know everything about flying, the job, the layovers, all that kind of stuff. And I thought, you know, perhaps I should rebrand this thing. So a year and a half after I started, back in I think May of twenty eleven was the first airline pilot guy show, episode one. But before that, I had about forty something Catholic pilot episodes. Um, so
3: I, I think maybe it's worthwhile mentioning who you're, who's been listening since episode
1: one. Well, we have somebody here. Who is my number one fan? He started listening to Catholic Pilot episode one. His name, the guy, the F-15 driver. That's Captain Jeff, the good-looking one. Yeah. Yes, he's been with like us from day thing. one. From day not, one. Not
3: that he went back. He started. Number
1: two. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, don't we all sometimes?
3: <laughs> I don't even have. Yeah. Uh, not sure what
1: Yeah, I was looking for something. No, that work so uh, did the show um, solo for I think until 2015 uh, was doing the show just by myself and I was also at the same time with that Catholic podcasting Network doing another show it was a panel show called Catholic weekend a live show that we did every Saturday morning so I had some experience with doing shows with you know different panelists different hosts and uh, getting a lot of feedback this is the whole thing is organic I haven't planned a, a darn thing with any of this it's just been an uh, uh, what do you call it? A um, organic evolution of uh, how we've. That come sounds kind of medical this place, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, she said
3: organic growth. I was like mm, organic growth. Know. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I guess yeah. I guess in a way it is. Yeah. But uh, so I I, I got I got a lot of feedback. Well, I have to acknowledge Dana was the very first person that I actually had as a co-host on the show, but it was just a one off Tony. Tony. Yeah, Tony. Tony episode 90 if you want to check it out. We were flying together. I had a long Savannah layover and I was talking, you know, he was telling me about his experience because I'm always asking my first officers what their background is because so many people that listen to the show want to know how to get to here. And I thought, "Wow, that I've never heard anybody with that kind of background and how you got here." And I said, "I'm doing a show Today, a a podcast, I said, and he kind of looked at me like, you know, what's a podcast? And um, so I I explained it to him, and I said, if you know, I think we got in pretty early, before noon. Yeah, it was was before noon. And I said, come over to the room, and, you know, he's probably going, hmm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This guy is fighting Yeah, so he he was on the show, and he answered a lot of questions about his background and everything, and and it was a lot of good, positive feedback. And uh, that was Tony. That was in uh, 2013, October of 2013, I think Halloween Day.
5: Ironically, episode ninety, like the MD ninety.
1: Yeah. Well, I had. Yeah. I guess it just happened that way. Anyway, so fast forward twenty fifteen, getting a lot of feedback from uh, staff. Uh, mostly, did you ever send in audio feedback? I think it was just no. a, uh, email feedback. Yeah. She said she heard me talking about uh, beer IPAs, and she goes, "You know." Yeah,
3: I wasn't sending any any like aviation related stuff. No, it was all day. about. It was beer. just like you like IPAs, I like IPAs. Yeah,
1: and Let's. so she goes, "Hey." If you ever have a layover in Charlotte, let me know. I'll come by and show you what North Carolina has to offer, as far as IPAs and other styles of beer. And I went, okay, mm-hmm. I'll take you up on that. So we did that a couple of times. I think.
3: Yeah, I think we actually did it twice. Yeah. Uh, without any podcasting involved. Right. There were a couple of meetings. And then,
1: like the third time, I, I had a very long layover in Charlotte. It was downtown. I knew she worked downtown, and I said, "Hey," and you know, in in hindsight, I'm thinking this is really kind of creepy. <laughs>
3: was kind of creepy. I
1: said w- if you'd like to be my co-pilot on the show uh, I'm in this hotel room I, yeah. This, re- you know
3: yeah. and I think I said no No, and then did. I was like but there's beer involved yeah. so So she shows
1: <laughs> up to my hotel room probably thinking what is going on like
3: What's with you know uh, yeah <laughs> small knife you know just in I, case. I, that's the first I'm learning
1: you, about it. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway, so we did the show together, got a lot of positive reviews with that. And then a couple of weeks later uh, in Miami, we'd already done a, several uh, meetups in Miami. Uh, Miami Rick, of course, you know, or, or uh, one of the co-hosts. No, I'm sorry. He was uh, an avid listener. He was sending in a lot of audio feedback. That's the way people come become involved, I think, in podcasts and become podcasters on their own. They they end up sending in a lot. So if you're listening to people sending in a lot of uh, audio pod or feedback, they're probably going to become a host of somebody else's show or start their own show. Like Jim likes to send us audio feedback. When are you going to start your show, Jim? Uh, it's a long
3: story. I lost my
1: recording studio. So oh, that's right. He doesn't have, a, uh, well, he can, yeah. well,
3: in the future, we'll be looking forward to the, just a navigator yeah. show.
1: So anyway, uh, getting a lot. Yeah. <laughs> just the navigator. Um, so uh, Miami Rick was sending in a lot of feedback. It was very enthusiastic, and so I was down there in Miami, and we had a, a, a meetup planned. And he said, "Hey, I'm not uh, working today. If you need to go someplace, I can take you to the meet." I said, "Oh, if you're not working, I'm planning on recording before we do the meetup. And why don't you come by and you can become my my uh, co- co-pilot for the day?" And he said, "Sure." So we did that, and again, a lot of more a lot more positive feedback regarding that, and then. I think it was not long after that, I contacted both Steph and Rick and said, would you guys consider like doing this all the time with me? And like, I said, I know, I, have, I know the technology to use to get everybody together. We use Skype, I think. Or it was, yeah,
3: I think it was Skype at the time.
1: Yeah, I was doing yeah. the video, but it was kind of weird because you couldn't see them. You could only see me and then I put their pictures up and it was kind of clunky. It's fine. Didn't work there. It was fine. It's fine. And uh, so, yeah, that became the uh, airline pilot guy with hosts, co hosts, panel talk show. And then uh, later that year, we started getting a lot of uh, audio feedback from the old curmudgeon. And uh, we had a special surprise. Well, so.
3: there's there's other folks here who were involved in that uh, surprise show. Yeah. Uh, Je- Jeff probably doesn't know a lot of what happened behind it. the scenes here, so. Well, the main
4: instigator sitting right Sitting right, right in front of you. Tell us about how you organized that.
6: It's difficult, really, because um, it's a little while ago, but um, it just kind of came as a, just a momentary thought. Well, if there's a monumental moment coming up, you know, 100, 200, okay, well, maybe we can put something together Um, So I kind of raised the idea just in a sort of little private chat with myself and Steph and and Rick. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, well, Pip, who sat to my left, you know, got some sort of connection. And then obviously Nick, who sat next to you. So why don't the three of us come out? And it's probably worthwhile mentioning that prior to the flight out to Miami, None of the three of us had ever met each other. So three pilots on a flight going on a bit of a whim to M- Miami. It had all the recipe for a complete and utter disaster. And that's what it was. <laughs> 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 no, it wasn't. if, if it you was watched the,
3: the 200th episode, you know, you know,
6: yeah, but it was, it was, was literally just, a, well, what about we do this? So, I mean, Pip sat next to me. What, what's your memories of it? Oh, that was a lot of beer. Almost non-existent. Oh, it was risk. a lot of alcohol.
7: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't. Well,
3: no, no. The, uh, the lead-up to the actual event, like the...
6: Oh, uh, I, I don't remember. I came fairly late. I remember getting an email from Rick saying, hey, you're coming to the States. Get on a plane. Get your suitcase packed. Uh, no, it was a lot of fun. I. Uh, there was a lot of planning. There was a lot of making up cover stories. Yeah, lying. there was a
3: lot of lying yeah. involved. Yeah, what I was
1: hearing from my end is... Uh,
3: so the story was I had a uh, conference to attend Medical in, conference. in Miami. And uh, so I was going to be down there. Rick was obviously there. You were going to be, well, we said, oh, you know, it's going to be right around the time of the two hundred show. Can you bid a trip to be in Miami with a layover, blah, blah, blah. No, actually you said or,
1: don't bid, don't oh, do a layover. yeah, yeah. We, we said we
3: want you to be there. We need you to be there. Right, so for just, more
1: than just a layover. Yeah. Went, okay. We didn't
3: say that. We're like we're both going to be there. Like this is the perfect excuse. They kept excuse nagging to do. me. Are,
1: are you sure you? We had sent that a lot of emails. And I'm going. What's the big deal? So if I'm there, whatever, you know. So I, I had no idea that Rick it was a got surprise.
3: Colonel Jeff involved. He said you should be here for this as well as listener number one. And
6: uh, the funny thing for me was when I raised this as a as a possibility with my wife. She was actually very concerned that I had joined some sort of cult.
2: <laughs>
6: well, in a way,
1: she was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
2: was
6: right. Yeah. <laughs> Aviation
1: podcasting cult.
6: And several years later, she still doesn't actually <laughs> understand. Here you are again
3: <laughs> with this cult. But,
6: yes.
4: So, but what he- do you remember, Jeff? Because uh, we were hiding in a bar the day before. The live show. Yeah. And that you were sort of told to pitch up. So I I, I flew down from
1: Atlanta to Miami. Rick picked me up and he goes, Hey, we've been to this uh, barbecue restaurant before. And he goes, Let's go to this rib place. You know, are you hungry? And I said, No. And, and he goes, okay. And then we go to the barbecue rib restaurant. I'm going, well, does he not understand? I was
3: delayed this- getting there, and I was supposed to be there in advance. So Rick had to do some covering for me. Yeah, was the, that
1: was the first hint that something was Something odd. wasn't quite right. Yeah. And so, okay, so we had, you know, I watched him eat. And, uh, and then we were go- we were driving around. I don't know where he was taking us, I guess, to the, to the place that we were going to. Oh, we were going to do the, uh, we- I knew we were going to do a live show at the uh, titanic brewing company because yes. rick and i had done that once before so uh, so we were heading down that way and he goes oh i need to stop at a cvs a drugstore and I went, okay he's then, still
3: delaying for me because i'm frantically like texting rick like okay i got a car like i need to go drop some stuff at the hotel and then i need to go to the like, yeah i was running all around town just trying to stay one step ahead of you guys
1: and i was just going i'll just stay in the car Thankfully, that was what he was hoping I would do because he was going he was into the drugstore to. to com- <laughs> calling me. With her. Yeah. To, I know where I was. So he comes back out. I don't know what he bought—some aspirin or something.
6: And of course, the three of us who had been consuming champagne, courtesy of Nick's fantastic former airline, just needed all of the logistics doing for us. We just needed to roll off the airplane drunk and be taken somewhere.
3: <laughs> and you guys were already at the wow. at the brewery at that point, so. And then I did actually get there, but I was like, well, I don't want to like go in. Yeah, I've in got a picture of you
4: there. peering at the window.
3: <laughs> I know. I was tired and confused at that point. It's fine. It all Pip worked out. Pip has
4: just handed me a uh, oh, yes. photo yes, of,
3: this uh, is
1: of all of us there. Uh, That's great. There. Well, not all of us, but a lot of us. Yeah, so So we finally made it over to Titanic Brewing Company and parked in the back, walking around, and then on the front of the brewery, I, I would look down near the entrance, and I I thought I saw what appeared to be a head that looked like Steph's head poking around. I'm thinking, what is she doing? Because it was mine. Yeah, and I'm thinking, that's odd. But again, I I still haven't figured anything out. And walked in. Yeah, still clueless. I've never ever had a surprise party in my life, and this was my first one. So I walked in, went up to the bar, and thought, you know, I'm going to get an IPA. And so I'm standing about three feet away from the bar, and I feel this tap on my shoulder. And I turn around, and there's this... Bloke, handing me an IPA, and and I oh th- and I look, I'm I'm looking at somebody's chest, and I look up, and I hear him say something, and I'm thinking that voice sounds so familiar, and I'm thinking Captain Nick, and then he goes yeah I don't know what you said. Um, and I think I do
3: have the video of that. Yeah, like like I the didn't, I just,
1: never, I didn't imagine him being so tall, six foot four. I do, I just, I don't know why, but I just thought he was about my height. And then I looked around, and then these two started talking, and I thought, wow, that voice sounds familiar, Captain L? And then Pip, or maybe it was the opposite. I don't know. If, I don't remember the order, but uh, they, these two were standing, three in a row, and uh, and that's when I realized, oh, this is more than just doing an on-location. Thing that was, yeah, I realized it was a surprise at that point. It was awesome, and that was just the beginning.
6: <laughs> it's actually really funny from from our side of things because it's if you've ever been involved in a in a surprise party, it's that priceless moment when the person realizes what's actually going on because you can see the cogs going round <laughs> and the building blocks slowly, slowly. being slowly. put together. Oh, and in, yeah. Jeff,
4: in Jeff's case, they were going around real slow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he had to take me aside
1: and explain it to me.
3: If you have not watched the 200th episode, you know, we certainly tell people not. You yeah, don't sk- have to go back and watch all of them, but sk- watch episode 200. Skip
1: the end, though, because it gets a little emotional. <laughs> you don't want to see me crying, really. Yeah.
3: You do. Watch well, so the end. I, I don't
1: know how this happened, but we had pints of beer. It was a brew pub. And I'd be drinking my beer and put it down. Mm-hmm. And then I'd look back around, and yeah. it was like full. And so I started drinking more. I, that I never got more than half emptied. And I just kept drinking and drinking and drinking. So I had a little bit
6: to drink that
3: night. <laughs> Al wouldn't have anything to do with it.
1: No, Al hadn't
6: No, no, not at all. Nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it was part of my my I don't know, my objective for that night that nobody would have an empty glass. And I'm reasonably satisfied I that think I fulfilled you that succeeded. objective. Yes, you did. You did. Yes. So uh, well, job
1: well done. We had a great time. So that uh during that time, you know, because Nick had been sending in all this audio feedback, I took Steph and Rick aside, and said, would you guys mind if I invited Nick to become a full-time host of the uh, show? And they said, oh, no, he'd be great. Well, I, actually, that's not what they said, but for the show, sensitive. Jeff didn't
3: really care what our opinions were. He was just doing it. No,
1: no, I did. And <laughs> no, so they said, didn't. yeah, it was unanimous. Oh, yeah, he'd be great. And so uh, that at that uh, 200th episode, or within a day or whatever, I asked uh, Nick if he'd like to be a host yeah. of the show and I, he said I, no, I cried. Absolutely I, I not. cried a
4: lot and, and then I said no thank you very much. I have a life. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think he said something like I'd be honored to uh, be a guest or absolutely. something. So or at least in my mind that's what I remember.
3: So where was Dana?
1: Well Dana was still flying right airplanes here? and completely oblivious to the fact that we were doing a podcast. Now I uh, saw Dana about uh, almost exactly three years after we did or he did the uh, the one-off episode 90 in the uh, Atlanta airport in the B concourse uh, food court area, this B spine. And I hear somebody say, hey, Jeff. And and so he goes, oh, you don't remember my name, do you? And, you know, because I knew him as Tony. I said, yeah, I remember your name. The look on his face is precious. Yeah. Almost like, who are you? And so he goes, hey, we're flying next week. And I said, yeah, I saw that. And I said, he goes, are you still doing that podcast thing? And I said, yeah, we're still doing it. And I said, in fact, I plan on doing a show when we're on, our trip next week, Orlando. Would you like to, uh, you know, be on the show again? It'll be like a redo of the 2013 episode. And he goes, "That'd be great." Yeah, you know, we were in Orlando, and uh, well oiled, and uh, we had a, and not suntan lotion or baby oil, but yeah. bourbon, I think. <laughs> and uh, you, you remember the size of the bottle I went and bought? Yeah, he bought this bottle. It's like I don't know a magnum or something. I don't know what. Yeah, you it's one
5: point seven five liter because it's a bourbon eagle rare which is a uh, very nice bourbon, and it was at the Publix. And anybody that's Florida or familiar with Florida, Publix has a liquor store attached to it. And very rarely uh, up in Georgia had I ever seen a 1.75 liter bottle. So I said, well, what the hell. So I bought the whole damn thing.
1: And I had my six-pack of High Life, which I happen to be holding in my hand right now, one of my favorite IPAs.
4: You've kept it all last time? Yes, this is from... <laughs> no.
1: And, uh, yeah, so... It, it just evolved into uh, Dana becoming part of our regular crew.
5: Yeah, we talked about it after the show, and um, I said, well, I'd be open to it. So, uh, Rick, um,
2: he... Rick, Rick
4: was uh, abducted by aliens.
1: Yes, as far as we it's know. The
2: official
4: story.
1: Yeah. You know, he he had gotten a new job with a new airline, and uh, he was based, you know, almost halfway around the world, and most of his flying was ac- literally... On on the other side of the world It's very difficult to schedule. It's one of the toughest things about doing the show is organizing all of our schedules to get everybody together at the same time. We do this every single week. So the first thing we do after we stop the broadcast is we go, okay, next week, let's talk about it. What's everybody's schedule? And we try. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes somebody can't make it for whatever reason. But we really do try to make sure that all four of us are on the show together as much as we can. And uh, with Rick, it was just impossible for him to be there because, you know, we'd be recording when he was, you know, sleeping or whatever.
3: Yeah, he's on the other side of the world. Yeah.
1: So, uh yeah. We miss him. Rick, if you're listening,
4: come back. We open love in, you. Open yes, invitation. We love you.
1: Open, open invitation.
4: Play the crickets. Yeah. yeah. I don't have the See? crickets here.
1: We're See, I have this problem and they they give me a bad time. I can't find all these
3: Do you things. have the
1: crickets? Oh, right. I you don't have, have crickets. the crickets. <laughs> okay. Well, i I've l- I've read through everything. There's no uh,
3: crickets chirp chirp
1: chirp That's no, very s- very faint. But uh, they are kind of soft. Yeah. Crickets. Okay, the crickets are. the right. rickets, yeah, the rickets. Yeah.
4: well done. Yes, yeah, exactly. Rickets. Right. Good
1: point. So anyway, um, that's how we have evolved into this. The uh, the four regulars and then um, how long ago was it that we asked you to uh, become a 18 months, about a year and a half ago? Um, you know, a lot of things happened behind the scenes. All you podcasters here know that. Um, you know, a lot of uh, planning and organization and everything else. And and uh, Liz was a, a big participant in our community. And I asked if she would like to become an assistant slash producer, and she does a heck of a lot of work, really offloads a lot of my work behind the scenes. Yeah, you wouldn't
4: believe it, how much work she does during the week in the lead-up to a show. We get continual updates of what's happening to the show notes and adding and taking things out. And and, uh, that's only what we see uh, as co-hosts. Jeff and Liz are constantly in contact, talking about what the next show is going to look like. So she does a marvelous job.
1: Yes, she does. Yeah, big round of applause for Liz. We couldn't do it, well, we could do it without her, but it wouldn't be as good. That's for sure. And, by the way, any of you who have sent in feedback and you haven't heard us uh, cover it, it's because of her. She says it uh, <laughs> doesn't meet the standard, apparently.
4: Yeah.
6: Okay. I'm on the move again. Okay. This, ar- this arthritis is starting and to And, everybody,
5: in. just so you know, I actually do drink beer. <laughs> I see that. I but actually see it. But
1: didn't you say last night you drink. don't drink beer? I Can I fill you. in
2: with a quick question while you're on your way out? Yes. Okay. So we have a question from the chat room. Um, Pilot Boy. Pilot Boy is asking a question. Oh, yeah, Pilot Boy. Yeah. Have you ever gotten a GPWS 1,000 feet call-out at altitude if a plane passes underneath you?
1: Yes. Easy answer.
4: Yeah, it is quite common, particularly on the uh, Atlantic tracks when uh, w- because our navigation systems are so accurate uh, and we're all basically on the same track at the same g- going the same way same day. It was common when uh, someone uh, overtook you underneath or you overtook them to uh, get the call out um, because the airplane sees the radar bouncing off the aircraft underneath and thinks it is it's 1,000 feet, which could be a bit alarming, particularly if the guy's crept up from behind you and you didn't know he was there. And all of a sudden, you go, <laughs> 1,000 <go>, feet. And <laughs> you go, what? <laughs> Who the, what the hell's <laughs> that? Yep. But, yeah, it, it is a problem with uh, I say a problem. In the old days, when people uh, navigated using, you know, radio aids, uh, aircraft naturally weren't on the exact centerline of an uh, an airway. Nowadays, everyone is absolutely down the dead center. Oh, doesn't that sound lovely? That's a jet. Dead center. And, uh, of course, it's, it actually increases the likelihood of uh, collisions because everyone's flying the same track. So on the North Atlantic track, now we, in theory, randomly uh, offset by one or two miles just so that there's that reduces that chance and even uh, in, there are some countries like China where the air traffic controllers will s- tell you to offset and you'll be given an offset and you'll fly it just because they that's the way they think it's the safe way to go and it's not a bad way to go at all um, but uh, in my company because most pilots are lazy and they couldn't be bothered to fly the offset uh, they said right uh, we're going to give you an offset. It'll be dependent on the initial of uh, your first, your surname. So, uh, I, because I was an Anderson, I flew down the centre line. Uh, that's my excuse. <laughs> Nick, on the, uh, on the
6: 330, um, you will know that because it's such a quiet flight deck, that if an aircraft passes over the top of you at 1,000 feet, you actually
4: hear it. Oh, for sure, yes. You, you often wonder if the passengers, do they're probably watching movies or asleep there, but I was underneath Concorde once when it went over me uh, at uh, over 60,000 feet, so there's probably 35,000 or 30,000 feet between us, but I clearly heard the double boom as Concorde went over the top. Very impressive. He was going the opposite direction. I could see him trailing. It was obvious who was because there's, there's nobody else up there, for heaven's sake. Amen. And uh, uh, sadly, my uh, first officer was having a pee, so I was the only guy because I could see him. I was the only guy that really knew what was going on. I was going all to myself. I was going, "Well, that was cool." Okay. Oh, I need
1: to turn We are heard that. Folks over there near the road are having a difficult time hearing us. If we could just crank the uh, speaker around. This is the way Dana wanted to put it initially. I didn't think we'd have a bunch of people over there. So hopefully you'll be able to hear us a little bit more. We can't really turn up the volume much more because we're going to start getting some feedback. But um, anyway.
3: yeah, And thank you all for not leaning against the other motorhome. We appreciate that. They yeah. did ask he, us that. he asked
1: us not, you know, not, I know it's tempting nobody too, touch it. Yes. Thank you all. And he said, don't be too loud. "Eh." Um, But uh, I wanted to stop the show or interrupt the show for a moment. Jim Mercado, I just noticed he arrived. Now, Jim, okay, this this T-shirt, many of you are already wearing it, the Osh Blast 2019 logo and the original Acme Air logo is this man's magic and his skill and everything else. So, Jim, thank you very much for that. It's awesome. Oh yeah, we don't. We ran out. Sorry. No, I, I, we still have some. Um, so, uh, it, it, anyway, we want to hear from you sometime later in the show. But uh, I'm glad you made it from Northern California, and uh, look forward to uh, visiting with you. That, thanks again. Great, great
6: design. Okay. Okay, I'm back out in the APG suburbs here. So. Uh, Hi, uh, I'm Mark from Swansea in the uh, UK, another Oshkosh first-timer. Another Um, Welshman,
4: two Welshmen together. Two Welshmen together, yeah. Yeah,
6: like always, we have some connection between us in Wales. It's impossible (laughs) not to. Uh,
4: No. You share the same sheep? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Oh, oh, (laughs) sheepies.
1: (laughs) Family show. (laughs) 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 Or
2: <laughs> 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 i shall speak uh, to you later Captain ah, nick promise. anyway
6: um my uh, question is particularly for captain dana and captain jeff uh you've come with this fantastic rv this time uh there's some great historic aircraft here at oshkosh what do you think the chances of you and captain dana talking to flight ops at acme and next year you bring a mad dog for us all to meet in
1: Oh, there'll be none left flying, will there? Yeah,
5: <laughs> I, I was gonna say we'll have to go. To the, might have to go to the desert and grab one for you. So. <laughs>
1: I'd love to do that. That would yeah, be a lot yeah. of fun. But
6: actually, I think it, the good news is that when I uh, went to pick Pip up in Appleton, I actually saw a, a a train that had coal trucks on it. So I think there's, you know, good very chance. Very similar.
1: Yeah.
5: Actually, uh, got some really good news while I was here in Oshkosh. Everybody had heard me talk about the fact that I was moving backwards down the rung in seniority. Uh, They've decided to keep eight more additional MD80s on property, MD88s on property, because uh, Airbus can't seem to get the 321 Neo to us in time. So I'm going to move them back up in seniority. So it's not going to be quite in the desert quite as
1: quick. It's going to be with us at least through 2021. Yeah, and hopefully until twenty twenty three, December of twenty
2: twenty
1: three. I have to wait so that long. Up. Yes. Get out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> Only kidding. He's not. Right. Liz?
2: Liz. Uh we have another one from the chat room from Mark Lebrowski. This is kind of for you stuff, I think, but the others can chime in too. Okay. What level of pilot certification do you need to be able to distinguish the individual components of an IPA? <laughs> <laughs>
5: I'll shut my mo- microphone I mean, off. it's a
3: rather advanced skill, so I wouldn't expect just your basic private pilot to be able to do that. But uh, No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, there's a 30-page ACS, of which thank you for correcting us on that. It's not the PTS anymore. Uh, what does ACS stand for again? Airman certification standards. Okay, so yeah, it, there's a separate one for IPAs, and it's very detailed and complex, and uh, you have to be uh, kind of have to try a whole lot of different IPAs to to get a good feel and for that, it. Yeah,
1: so. you schooled me on that. You know, I thought I was an expert, but I wasn't, mm, yeah. Steph. Uh, that's why yeah. she needed to meet. So
3: even someone with an airline transport pilot certificate, know. not
1: necessarily, you know, needed
3: needed a tutorial. Yes. So, but we should, yeah. Is this is an endorsement. That's right <laughs> in your logbook. um Yeah, we should start a uh, we should start a workshop for that here at Oshkosh. I think, yeah.
1: We have several uh, different different ones uh, here in the in the RV that we can start sampling. That's right. That's right. So they actually, actually have a workshop in here. It's called AA in the morning at eight <laughs> thirty in the morning. We, and just a reminder, we do have that cooler over there that has beer. Well, I'm assuming it still has beer. There in might the, be beer left and in it. Uh, still. Water yeah. in it. If anybody is Dave thirsty.
3: is uh, indicating that there is still beer in the cooler. So okay. if anyone is, it's it's hot out there today. So make sure you hydrate.
1: Yeah, we're actually really comfortable yeah, here under this
4: awning. <laughs> Sorry. What was that? So I've you got a, or a, a hazy light. rabbit. What's your opinion on that? I, uh,
3: I like the hazy rabbit. This is the second one I've I've. Lakefront Brewery, National. very good. Mm-hmm.
4: If there's a Lakefront Brewery, there's um, uh, a representative listening, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, we'd be so welcome local I, ish. Know, to have some more. We'd love beer.
1: <laughs> we have a question back here.
8: Hey Jeff, my name is uh, Derek Vento. I'm an air traffic controller at Atlanta Approach. Oh, nice. And uh, air traffic controller where? I'm
1: in Atlanta. Atlanta Oh, okay. So hey, do you have you ever heard my voice on the radio? You guys all sound the same. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Take the microphone away from that. Guy. That's it. Get yeah, out. It's nice. just the way it is, man. It's just the way it is, you know.
8: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot, Lamb. You guys always want to deviate, man. <laughs> yeah. well, they're a bunch of deviants. <laughs> oh man. 20 minutes ago, you. Uh, I-, I like the way you said this. You pretty much said that uh, you'd like to kind of get um, an idea of the experience the uh, first officers that you're flying with have. Uh, as someone that's getting ready to start private pilot training, as someone that um, works with you guys every single day, I am curious to know. With and bear with me with this question. I'm curious to know. With I know there's egos in aviation in general. What? How? No. <laughs> no way. This isn't. This isn't toward him. <laughs> how do we get newly certified? airmen in the cockpit, to not feel intimidated by someone that is got more experience than 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 them, excuse me, to their left. I guess I'm talking about subjective and objective information that may not be presented. So a lot of guys, for example, they go through IOE, they're brand new to the flight deck, and you walk in with 35 years of experience of flying, for example, and hey, we're gonna go through a thunderstorm, for example, here at Hartsfield, and um, hey, here we are. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a point where I think someone may not be willing to speak up during a certain moment.
1: You know, I'd say close to 100% of it is the the way that you initially start your conversation with your fellow crew member that you've never flown with before. Right. And and, and making them understand how they're just as important as everybody else in the cockpit which is just usually two of you and that uh, what they feel and what they know and all that is just as important as this person who's been flying for this company for 30 years and you you have to there are some people that don't do a very good job of that right. and I remember it as when I was a first officer I'd fly with some of these captains they'd immediately just slam that door shut and make it known that don't talk to me unless you know I ask you to talk right. not necessarily saying that right. but the way they they behaved and the way they talked and the way they ran the cockpit was just like, okay, I'm just somebody that's going to talk on the radio when he's flying and I'm going to fly the airplane and then he's going to tell me how to do everything. And that's just, you know, CRM, that's what this is all about, basically. Right. Cockpit resource management, crew resource management, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's very, very important to just establish that that tone in the cockpit that we're together, we're a team. You know, we I, I usually say, hey, we're here to have fun. You know, usually you know, weather or mechanical issues are going to be the things that make it not so fun. But there's no reason for everything else to be just a pleasant experience. And that's by just having an open cockpit, um, making that person understand that they are equals as far as sharing information sure. and, and, yeah. and that. And, uh, I, and being uh, as a first officer you're basically learning to be a captain right and and many people who are first officers at acme and other major airlines they have been captains so they have experience with this Um, but uh... you want to be sure to model what you think is the appropriate behavior of a captain you want to uh... as a first officer you pay close attention to what's happening with this captain you're flying with and you basically say yeah i like what he's doing here i like the Kind of more laid back environment of the cockpit, but it's serious when it needs to be or I'm mostly writing down in your little tablet or notepad I'm definitely not going to do this when I'm okay <laughs> I'm not going to do this that's that's usually I think yeah. for most of us that experience but that's what I have to say about that just establishing that that environment that tone that you know this is a best the best job in the world right and let's don't screw it up by you know, have, not having fun and enjoying what we're doing. We have a lot more ideas and opinions about this, I'm sure, because there are a lot of airline captains here. Dana? Well, uh, b- being that
5: I'm a newly minted captain, uh, I have to absolutely agree with Jeff 100%, and that's ex- you've heard me say it on the show, the biggest thing that I enjoy about being captain, the best thing I enjoy about being captain, is setting that tone. And there's no I and team, right? There's me, but, Right but there's no I in team. So I always make sure that my FOs understand that they're the captain when they're flying. I'm not gonna tell them how to fly the aircraft. I'm going to micromanage them and I make sure that I open up the conversation. And uh, as Jeff said, as soon as I walk on the, the, the flight deck, I ask them their name, shake their hand, and uh, bring open that open communication because if you don't op- have that dialogue, then they're not, then you, then you lose them. You, they And they're there to help you. And one of the best things, and you kind of mentioned it there, is what I learned from all the captains that I flew with through all the years I was an FO, and I pretty much made a mental note as to how I wanted to be as a captain. And I don't want to be that guy that everybody, I'm on that list that everybody doesn't want to fly with. I want to be on the list that everybody wants to fly with because I treat everybody um, fairly. And the other thing is being a big-picture guy. All right, If you sweat the small stuff and let all those little nuances get to you, then that's gonna make you a terrible captain. It's gonna it's you know, you may, you know you gotta dot the I's and I mean, dot the I's and cross the T's and make sure everything's legal and everything's good, but it's the big picture stuff that I look at. The stuff that's gonna get me in trouble, it's gonna hurt people, gonna bend metal, that type of stuff, that's what I look at in its in its diplomacy and being good about it. So
4: that's the way I look at it. That's a great question, sir, but well, I'm gonna turn it on its head slightly and tell you what I was asked when I did my interview with uh, Virgin Atlantic uh, um, and they said well you're a military guy, you've got over 20 years of uh, professional flying experience, how are you going to feel climbing into the right hand seat, the first officer seat, with a younger captain? Because a lot of our captains are are quite young. Our airline had the youngest at one point had the youngest ever 747 captain Uh, and people got promotion fast and if young guys joined the company they were going to be Uh, younger in age to me. And, uh, well, I didn't really have a problem with that because I think you accommodate, you learn that in life uh, you're gonna get past the point where the people uh, underneath you, who uh, looked up to you now, you're gonna start on the downhill curve and they're gonna be on the rise and you'll be looking up to them. And you just have to bear in mind that, as one of my old Air Force uh, bosses once told me, never slam a door. Because one of these days, the bloke who is behind that door you slam will end up being your boss. So uh, yeah, uh, I think it's uh, we all have to be flexible. We all have to be, em- em- What's the word I'm looking at? Empathic. Empathetic. Empathetic. Yeah, I'm pretty pathetic. Um, so uh, and uh, and be a good people person, and that's one of the great skills of being an LM pilot. Stephen. Not, uh, no, 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 not him. <laughs>
1: yes. Stephen Ivy here is a new first officer. What, well, relatively new? Yeah. Uh, B- be a year next month. Okay, almost a year. Yeah. So you have experience flying with captains, and what's you, from your perspective? What is it that makes you feel comfortable and like you're somebody who's a significant person in that in that cockpit?
9: Well, when you first start out, you know, you're coming off of IOE, you're already nervous about flying the actual airplane with people in it. And then once you get after that, you kind of get into, you know, the um, motion and get used to it. But then you start flying with the line captains, which are totally different than your regular check airmen. So you can have different ends of the spectrum. You can have a guy that's extremely by the book and will sit there and drill you with questions about your SOPM, about um, descent planning without using the FMS. All this other stuff. Then you get the other guy that's going to be sitting in the left seat and doesn't do anything but answer the radio calls and doesn't even talk to you the whole time. So, figuring out how to interact with that person, engage with them, and both have that same mental model of flying the airplane is something you're not going to learn until you're out there for a couple of months. Um, and then, especially you know, if you're been flying by yourself like I was, most of your time building you don't have that crew interaction so learning that skill is a hard thing to do um and then also i mean i'm only 29 but i've had guys that are younger than me that have been my captains um i can go and tell you the level of professionalism isn't the same as you get a guy that's you know upwards of jeff's you know seniority or dana's um and then they also they don't have certain experiences um newly minted captains they generally don't understand how to deal with certain operational things that come up that some senior captains might. Um, I got stuck in Quincy, Indiana, uh, Illinois, because the fuel truck broke, and his solution was just wait it out till they figured it out, and I was just sitting there suggesting things the whole time to try to get us out of there because, you know, that's what you're supposed to do is get on to your next destination. So finding that committal ground where you're not being condescending towards him and you're not making it uncomfortable up there for you, it, it's a really hard thing to learn because some guys – don't appreciate you giving them feedback about their flying. And, you know, even a first officer like me, you don't really appreciate it when someone tells you that your landing sucked. I mean, but you you got to be accepting of all criticism, um, regardless of what's going on up there. You know, it's, it's, it's your job, you know. And if you're not learning while you're flying, even as an airline pilot, you're, you're not really... Progressing yourself in your career.
3: So. I've heard it said you need to be a little bit of a chameleon when you're the first officer, right? Like yeah, you need to yeah, adapt
9: to. You, you do, um, but you need to adapt in the good aspect, right? In a positive um, way. Yeah. You know, the regional I work for, we're one of the largest. Um, take a lot of pride in our product that we provide. We're supposed to be one of the most professional. Um, and then you're walking around the terminal. I, I've been down to Charlotte before. You see some American Holy owns. Uh, they got their shirt untucked, it's wrinkled, they got sunglasses on their head, their earbuds in walking around the terminal, just, you know, like, they're walking around the dormitory. You can't do that as a pilot. Um, you're supposed to present yourself professional, um, because you don't want to be boarding up the airplane and then see that passenger that saw you with your shirt hanging out and your sunglasses on your head, but like, is this guy really going to be the guy that's going to take me to wherever I'm going? So, just, you just always got to be aware of yourself when you're presenting that profess- professional image out there, so...
2: I've got one from the chat room, Al. Go ahead. Um, This is from Greg Peterson, who I think Jeff and Nick visited on their way up to Oshkosh. Um, Greg says, for Jeff, Nick, and Dana, what are your favorite aircraft that you've flown in your careers?
5: My favorite aircraft. Actually, people are going to laugh at me normally i'd say the mad dog because it's absolutely my favorite aircraft but beyond the mad dog because i love that airplane uh i would have to say the brazilia i loved flying that aircraft it was fun it was sporty it was very challenging to operate the aircraft smoothly um so that really was my favorite aircraft i've ever flown
4: Uh, from my point of view i think the uh, phantom will always have a a place in my heart but when i stepped up to the uh, F-18 and climbed into that plastic uh, airplane. I just uh, saw aviation, military aviation, uh, through a completely different set of eyes and uh, I was just so blown away with the capabilities of the F-18 and the skill of the McDonnell Douglas engineers and designers who uh, built that aircraft. Uh, and that was a real uh, moment of pride for me when I did my first solo in, the, in that jet. And I loved the three years I spent flying it. It was absolutely fabulous.
5: And while Jeff's busy over there, I can probably answer the question for him because we've talked about it extensively. It's actually my favorite aircraft ever built. Uh, and he would say either one of two. But I would think you'd say L-1011 is probably the, his favorite aircraft he's ever flown. And that personally is my favorite aircraft ever built, period.
4: There you go. Uh, my uh, brother used to call it the Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, he had to engineer it. Uh. Ah. Okay, I'm back on the move
6: again. I'm going
4: to lean over here. Only one
5: Alton Levin that
6: actually ever had an
5: accident.
4: Hi guys, I'm uh, Hong Kong Nigel. This is a physiological and medical question, probably best answered by Dr. Steph. What is poo Peri and how do the abg crew use it operationally
3: so this is a vital piece of equipment when uh, there are five of us in the recreational vehicle and one toilet um it's a uh, you know i don't e- i think it's uh, gosh who makes the product i don't know i feel like i'm doing a little commercial for them right now but uh uh I discovered it after um, going on a cruise that we do annually with a couple of friends where it's similar close quarters and one small bathroom, Um, but it does work great to um, just make sure that there's no um, noxious odors floating around in the RV after someone has You need to explain how it's used and and how many
4: sprays you asked me to put down the loo.
3: Well, it gives a recommended range, right? So. So it comes in a small spray bottle. It says there's 100 sprays per bottle. Uh, You're supposed to shake it a little bit. Uh, The one we have is citrus fresh, I think. So very lemony. Shake
5: what a little bit? The 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 bottle.
3: The bottle (laughs) of product. I don't want to know about what you're doing when you're in there actually (laughs) using said commode. Uh, You shake the bottle. You it says three to five sprays. So I asked Nick, please make sure you use five. Uh, You know why not? Why take any chances? Just make you didn't sure that. tell me to use any. That's <laughs> because I didn't know that's what you were going in there to do. <laughs> and I, I, I can't, uh, you know, explain all the physics of it because I'm sure there are some. But it kind of coats the, the. You have to have some water in the toilet bowl, so make sure there's some water in the toilet bowl. It goes in there, it coats the area, and then uh, you do your business, and you flush the toilet, and it's supposed to be much more pleasant for. Not only you, but everyone who has to be in the vicinity there afterwards.
4: So it's like a a pre-flight checklist, yeah?
3: Yes, yes. Got to make sure you use the uh, poopery. Thank you, Nigel, for that question. I think
1: think that might be the best question of the day. (laughs) So uh, for those who are watching this on the YouTube live, sorry. Uh, For some reason, one of the components that we send in nice audio to you is not working. And for some reason, this dongle... On the uh, MacBook is not uh, recognizing. That's what she. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it's a technical failure. Sorry, and they're saying everything is just horrible sounding on the YouTube video. But I don't know. I keep trying to fix it, but it's not working.
0: That's what she said.
6: <laughs> okay, I'm on the move again. I'm going to need some assistance because the the APG washing line is in front well, we of can, me. We, we like can use incredible. my mic if you want for the question. Okay, that'll work.
3: Uh, my name is Andre, I'm from
2: Southwestern Suburbs in Chicago. Um, <laughs> um, is it you
6: that has Pip's suitcase? Because Pip's suitcase is currently missing in action in Chicago.
3: Uh, no, that's not me. Um,
6: okay, we'll let you off.
3: <laughs> so, from your experience in Oshkosh so far, what are you looking forward to the most for your Friday, Saturday and possibly Sunday? Well, that's an easy question for me. I'll go ahead and get started. Um, I definitely want to get out to the seaplane base. Uh, I'm planning on doing that tomorrow at some point. If anyone's interested in, in heading down oh, there, no. all right. So Jeff and I will be de- heading down to the seaplane base tomorrow at some point. Uh, not sure when, but we'll firm up those plans and let you all know. Um, I think that's probably the one thing I really haven't seen or looked into yet. And I do have my um, single engine C certificate, which I have not used since I actually got the rating. But uh, it'll be fun to get down there and, and see all the float planes.
5: You're not going to like this answer, but here's the answer. I'm looking forward to sleeping in my own bed this weekend because I haven't been home in about a month and a half, more than one night at a time. So, But uh, it's been an unbelievable week. I'm leaving tomorrow.
4: And sadly, uh, Jeff and I are packing up the RV. We have to get it back to his owner on Saturday. So uh, uh, tomorrow I'm going to do the Warbirds, which I gather... Is just the place to be, and it's uh, is definitely on my list. I wish I could have ticked off everything that was on my list, but I'm just going to have to do that another year. But uh, tomorrow's the World well, didn't birds you hear? We're, them.
3: we're flying in next year, so.
4: Oh, so, yeah, of course we are. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, uh, it'll Saturday morning, I'm afraid, will be pack up time.
2: I, I have a question from the chat room, and you may have just answered it, but this is from Kelly Kirk. This is for you, Captain Nick. Any thoughts or plans while you're still at Oshkosh to to hook up with Jell-O and Sunshine? Now, I'm not sure who that is. Jell-O
4: and Sunshine. Can anyone help me? Thank you. Oh, the Fighter Pilot Podcast. Over
2: at the FPP to compare U.S. and U.K. aviation.
4: Well, that would be an interesting discussion, best conducted over many beers, (laughs) and probably running into the wee hours and never resolved. But... And that I can
6: imagine like there'll really be nice. lots of hand flying, because whenever you get military pilots oh, no and beers together...
4: Bar. Sorry, no hands in the bar. That's forbidden. Uh, you poke people's eyes out doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy when you've got a Jaguar squadron, because you just sit there and say, that's you, this is me, one mile behind. Got <laughs> next Jaguar pilot right there. Sorry, guys, I had to get that in. Uh, if someone sends me a pin, I'm going to go over there and uh, say hello to those guys. Thank you
6: okay I'm on the move again thank you I'm fearful that if I go too far the whole lot is just
4: going yeah, to collapse into a heap here, people to, up come to you.
1: G'day everyone um, my name's Evan I'm all the way from Melbourne in Australia hey! and Finally, I got to see a live show and not from YouTube, so it's, this is pretty cool. Um, my question to the panel and maybe anyone else is, uh, being that we're meeting on the hallowed grounds of the Experimental Aircraft Association, have you seen any crazy um, experimental designs that you would or definitely wouldn't go for a fly in?
3: I've seen lots of crazy designs. I can't remember what any of them are called off the top of my head, but I would probably not fly in any of them.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I uh, walked past one of Bert Rutan's one-off designs, and uh, it had a four-letter skick or a skis. What?
1: C-R-I-Z. C-R-I-Z.
4: Oh, Kriz. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it was the weirdest looking piece of kit. It had a, a forewing and an aft wing that were joined together from the tips. So the tips of the forewing led into the leading edge of the aft wing. Both wings had enormous uh, slotted flaps uh, and the, it had a tail plane. And you know, I was just looking at it going, what the hell is this? Uh, and apparently it was uh, a DEFRA. Is that the organization? secret, super secret? DARPA. DARPA. Thank you very much. DARPA. DARPA. Well, it's American. Um, so DARPA, and and they, Bert uh, uh, Bertrudden designed it for them uh, for a hostage um, rescue scenario. But apparently it was not required and never used, only one ever built. But it was designed for ultra short takeoff and landing. Looked fascinating, with all that flap on it, I suspect it would have been brilliant. But I uh, often wondered, he must, must be a, a genius because uh, he didn't really. Usually, an airplane design goes through prototypes and goes test flying, etc., etc. He only built one to do this one job, uh, and it's so radical. I was looking at it, and that's just amazing. Uh, he to be a, the genius he is to get it to actually work and potentially do that job. I was just amazed he, that he would have got it right the first time. Fantastic. I uh, and no, I wouldn't want to fly it. <laughs>
2: I have I have what might be one of our last questions, Jeff. I think we're getting to that point soon. Um, this is from Rob Dick Hamish Robert. Who? Where here? did he go? No, he, to, he, he was here. He had to leave. He had to leave, so but he oh. he, he sent this in to us. Okay. Um, do you, as hosts, feel there is a magic number required to get a pause c- podcast started on time? Yeah. <laughs>
6: Wow. There might be.
1: I just define, don't know what it is. Define
3: on time. Are we doing airline definition of on time? 15, yeah. Or no.
1: doctor's definition of on time.
3: Doctor's we, definition of on time. As everybody <laughs> knows, <laughs> we've never considered
1: that an important parameter.
3: We we give uh, times that we'll be getting together. Yeah. And then at some point thereafter, we will start a show.
1: And if you love us, you'll stick with us. And And not complain. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And if you've never watched some of the pre-shows, sometimes that's pretty funny. So yeah. you should, should. Uh, sometimes it's better than the show itself.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh. So for all you so punctualists, no. sorry.
3: Punctualists? Is that a word?
1: Punctualists. Yeah. <laughs> look it up.
3: Punctuality freaks. Yeah.
1: Punctuality so. freaks. That's what I always say. Okay. Hey. <laughs> Shut so up, bad. Jeff. <laughs> uh, well, you have a question over here. Okay. Hang on.
3: I can probably do a couple more. Because then we have to go to uh, Captain L's wonderful talk. <laughs>
0: Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Jennifer. I'm from Orange, California. I'm a flight attendant and a
4: student pilot.
2: Hi. Hello. Hi. Um, I, I love your
4: Airbus. Um, your strap Airbus twenty. I
2: live there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just had a question uh, for the commercial pilots. Um, are there any helpful things that you're appreciative of when working with your in flight crew? Because,
9: as you know, the flight deck door can be quite a barrier, Yeah, not Cheap just between the customers. The
8: yeah, um, of course.
3: Me. I'll hit them for you.
1: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Communication, I talk about this all the time, whether it be between you and your co pilot or co pilot captain, uh, air traffic control. Uh, your uh, gate agent, the flight attendants. I mean, communication is like the top, should be the top priority. Communication with your passengers. Don't sit there on a taxiway for an hour and not say anything to them because they're going to come up with all kinds of crazy ideas of why you're sitting on the taxiway because somehow that's benefiting the airline. I've sat back there as a non rever and listen to some of these things people are saying why we're sitting on the taxiway. And you know what? The reason why they're coming up with these crazy ideas is because nobody in that cockpit has said a darn thing, and it just drives me nuts. So, so communication... To the, to the
3: folks in the cockpit to say that, or would you like the cabin crew to say something if something... No, think I think been it's been the cockpit, cockpit. that
1: should say that, because they're the ones that know what's going on. That, you know, there's 20 airplanes ahead of us. There's a ground stop. There's an emergency. There's a reason why we're not moving. It's not because we're trying to make more money. I that think it's always, it always because, good to have oh.
3: emphasis that you're there for safety purposes because I think people forget that. Um, I, it shouldn't be your job to have to say that, but um, I've definitely been on flights where crew have emphasized that again, and I think it does make a difference.
4: So my uh, advice to new captains who are addressing exactly this problem, in our airline the pilots didn't have to pitch up till half an hour after the cabin crew, so we you could, in theory, never meet them till you got on the aircraft, but I would always pitch up at the check-in time for the cabin crew, and uh, come into their briefing, introduce myself, introduce my first officer, give them a talk about the flight, ask them what they fancy doing uh, that night when we were on our layover, uh, and basically introduce myself, ask them if any of them had any companions, if they wanted help getting them on the aircraft jump seats, that kind of stuff. And then uh, during the flight, if, as Jeff said, if, if you've got a problem, if you're stuck yeah. on the ground and you can leave the, safely leave the flight deck, I would always get out of my seat, and I would explain the problem on the on the personal address system to all the passengers. Then I'd get on my feet, and I'd uh, walk down the length of pa- the aircraft, chatting to the passengers. If they've got any questions, I would do my best to answer them. The usual one was, am I going to miss my connection? And I no, go, you'll
1: make your connection. <laughs> I
4: can't That's help you answer. there, but I'll do my best. Guaranteed.
1: I'm not exactly. going to make it.
4: <laughs> so uh, I I'll go right down the back and uh, swing around and come back. And uh, that was probably the one thing that got me the most amount of positive comments back from the cabin crew, because uh, they say, ah, oh, geez, that, that stopped all the questions. So that really settled everyone down. They saw you, That you explained uh, what was going on to them if they were worried, particularly people are a bit nervous, perhaps of are flying or are concerned about the, the level of the uh, fault we might have had, etc." cetera. So um, my advice to captains is be brave. Uh, if you're stuck uh, and your passengers are in the gate room um, then uh, leave the aircraft and go and speak to them uh, at the gate. Grab the, uh, the PA system they've got there and tell them why they're sitting there for an hour waiting for your aircraft to go. Or if you're in the baggage and there's no baggage arriving as happened once uh, in uh, a really snowy day in JFK. Uh, I found a PA system on the wall and uh, tried to explain to everyone that I was trying to contact the company and try and find out where their bags were. Uh, We had uh, Sigourney Weaver standing there, and uh, if she uh, appreciated my PAs, then uh, please send me a picture of yourself, uh, Ms. Sigourney, (laughs) with a signature. That would be very nice of you. Thank you very much indeed. Brilliant!
5: (laughs) I agree with Jeff 100%, and it goes right back to what I always say, set the tone. I set the tone with my passengers, I set the tone with my first officer, and I set the tone with my flight attendants and exactly what Nick said I always try and everybody knows I always get up and make a PA in front of everybody I'm not afraid to do that in the gatehouse I'm not afraid to do that on the airplane um so you set the tone and let the, let the flight tents know that you're there to help them and we're going to work together as a, as a team that's all you need to do
1: and just understand with communication with the passengers a lot of people are afraid to say tell the truth because they think that people are not going to want to hear that and I found that even when you tell them exactly what's going on even if it's not something they want to hear they always appreciate it. They Can, always I, can I
3: have a quick aside on, on yeah. that? Yep. So there was one time I was delayed in Philadelphia getting back to Charlotte and it was because of weather or there were ground stops whatever I forget the exact details um, but it was back in the days when you could actually listen to ATC or, or communications through the um, uh, yeah, channel four, channel nine, whatever it was on the IFE, basically. So I was listening to the communications going on, <laughs> and you know, it was like, okay, there's a ground stop. Next, next update at such and such time past the hour, and then the someone from the flight deck came on and made a PA that, oh, it's just going to be another ten minutes or so before we have. I'm like, that's. No, they just said the next update's in like an hour. Like, we're going to sit here for an hour before you have any information. So I think truthful is better than, than not truthful. I'll even yeah.
1: sometimes I'll say, you know, there's a ground. The beautiful weather here, beautiful weather where we're going. There's crappy weather in between. That's the reason why they're not letting us go. And here is a website. If you have your cell phone, your iPad, your whatever, if you have a Internet connection, look up this web address, faa.gov.org. O-I-S or whatever it is and they can go and see all the airports and the ground stops and when the next update time so it's not from me it's from the FAA and so, see I'm not lying to you this is what's happening here but as far as your initial question about the pilots and the flight attendants it's just important to establish that rapport don't blow them up now the thing that Nick does with his flight attendant crews is great but that's long haul Dana and I are flying short haul we'll sometimes show up to the airplane and we sit down and we got to do our checklist and go. We don't have enough time to bring the whole crew together and, you know, really have a nice conversation together. So it's important to knock out those essential items that are important with the uh, at least the flight leader or A-line or whatever you call it at your airline. And um, let them know that they are a significant part of this whole operation, this mission. And, you know, if there's something that you're concerned about, let us know. You know, don't, don't hesitate to call us up. And let us know what's going on. Additionally, I don't know if you do this, Dana, or not. I listen to the interphone, the uh, cabin interphone, all the time. I monitor it. I monitor the PA system. And sometimes that's the first inkling of something that is going bad in the back of the airplane. Like, so after there, medical yeah, medical is there a medical stuff medicals? Or? Yeah, and, and I can hear that. And so before they even call me formally to let me know what's going on, I've already heard what's happening back there. So I'm already ready to... Go and I tell them I'm not I'm not listening to your cabin interphone to see if you have some juicy details and if you really think one of the pilots is cute, because I never hear that. So uh, n- neither do I. They yeah. filter
3: all that out. It's like selective yeah. hearing. It's fine. Yeah,
1: that guy's listening. So don't say anything. You know,
5: one of the things I will say though, with our, our type of operation, uh, a little different than Nick's uh, international, and probably even on the longer flights within the within the uh, continental U.S., uh, we don't fly with the same crew. Much more than one leg. And to what Jeff said, uh, a lot of times I don't ever meet the flight tents in the back until we get to our destination as they're getting off the airplane. Oh, hi, I'm so and so as they're walking off the aircraft. So, one of the things that's very hard to overcome is building that teamwork spirit among people you never even meet. Right? So, the lead flight tent's is supposed to Go ahead and convey what what we're saying and how we're, we're you know communicating, you know between the flight deck and them. But sometimes, it, that's just lost because you never get to talk to somebody face to face. So uh, I really wish that we actually stayed with our flight attendants quite a bit more, so that way you can build up that repertoire with the crew and be able to have that that seamless experience. So that's my experience. And
1: another important thing I have to say to the flight attendants is, and I try to convey this as well. If there is something happening back there, some kind of noise you've never heard before,
4: a lot of flight Keep attendants I yourself. find... We don't want to know. Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> we do. He's joking. Because a lot of times they'll go, well, I'm not going to say anything because it's probably nothing. But it's not. It might not be. We were taxiing out in um, uh, Nassau, Bahamas, and on the 727, and we got this call from a flight attendant in the back. She says, there's a passenger back here that says there's something not right. There's something sticking up on the side of the airplane. And we're probably thinking, you know, we were thinking there's probably something on the wing, you know, the 727 wing. There are a lot of things sticking up and doing weird things. And so the captain, luckily... Or fortunately, sent the engineer to go back and said, "Just go back, you know, just kind of to show that we are concerned about some
3: reassurance, you know, like it's fine,
1: everything's good." So he goes back and he calls us from the back. He goes, "Dude, (laughs) there's the car. The cargo door is open back here because the cargo door has this thing that sticks up." You know, I think that's the way they designed it. So you're going. He's looking out the window and he sees this thing sticking up about four or five feet away from the airplane, and goes, "That doesn't look right. There shouldn't be anything <laughs> sticking up back here." And so, you know, fortunately for us, we didn't take off with the cargo door open. We didn't have any lights up there. We're supposed to have a light that says the cargo door is open.
4: There would have been there was a lot no of light. So there in would the sea. have pip pip your your luggage. It's in the they sea. Took yeah. off, uh, we know where it is. Pip, with Michigan, the cargo actually. door open, It's no. in the Atlantic. I'm sorry, man. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so that's the example that I use when I talk to flight attendants. So, so, if somebody has a concern about something, even if you think somebody is like an idiot, it might actually be, leg- yeah, or too much to drink or whatever. You know, let them know, let us know, you know, and then we can decide whether it's something we need to check out or not.
3: It never hurts to err on the side of caution. That is I don't true. Think.
1: Oh, that's a good thing. You should coin that. <laughs> Right. Yeah, um, no one's be- ever said that before. before no, me. before we end this show, the special show,
6: Jeff. Sh- sorry to interrupt. Would you mind humouring me for just a couple of minutes yes. on that question? Yes. Oh, um, Jennifer, um, I'm in a position where I work for an airline where um, we have a little over. 200 of the flight attendants training to be pilots, so I appreciate it's not particularly relevant to some of the U.S. operation, but on, as this is a, a actually, global I, podcast. Actually,
3: there's a lot of flight attendants in the U.S. training to yeah. be pilots. As so
6: as well, so. Um, uh, yeah. I fly the 320neo, the and uh, I actually encourage the, the flight attendants who are in pilot training to come and let me know during the briefing because once they've done their FA briefing they can come and join the pilot briefing we'll go through the NOTAMs, the weather and we can involve them in the processes that we go through and also it's very valuable if in my opinion that if you're in a position at the appropriate time to tell the operating crew that you are, a, you know, a student pilot because in the same way as it's quite useful for you as an FA to know when you've got deadheading crew on board the aircraft if you have an emergency the flip also works, so if we need, you know, a, an, a knowledgeable pair of eyes or ears in the cabin, knowing that you're a student pilot is, is very, very helpful. And, it, it, yeah, please do tell the guys. You might get some strange looks, but you might just benefit from some great experiences as well. If we don't know, we can't offer you the information. <laughs> <laughs> very no, you probably very don't. Very By well
1: way, well. Uh, if you want to hear Seriously, Captain Al, you don't. No, no, please. <laughs> Captain Al is doing a talk. At
6: 2.30, In just us over where. an hour yeah. from now. But, but to put some sort of meat on the bone, we have, uh, when we have uh, deadheading cabin crew who uh, have their pilot license, we'll let them operate the radio because they have the license. They can do that, and it's a great opportunity to get used to the, the airline RT side of things, and the company fully support that. Hey, Jennifer, not here.
5: <laughs> yeah,
6: please. You can't, can't work.
1: Please can. tell us how everybody can can uh, see your talk at two thirty.
6: Yeah, if you want to listen to more of my BS, then um, come over to Forum Stage Ten where I'm doing a, a little seminar on fear of flying and conquering it in the general aviation environment. One of my many hats that I wear. So I've kind of jack-of-all-trades master of none is I help people with the fear of flying so if anybody's interested in that please come down it's at 2.30 at forum stage 10 and okay. uh, yeah I can bore you for 45 minutes or so there I'm definitely hey. afraid of flying okay
1: I'm yeah. gonna let you announce uh, we're, we're gonna do something right after this but we're kind of running compressed with for time Pip.
7: yeah we're kinda of running a bit short now um yeah
6: please go and see Al uh, give his talk because no one else is. <laughs> <laughs> so he'd really appreciate that. Give him some that. support. Yeah, we were going to... Uh, us Brits wanted to contribute a, a little bit to the um, to the festivities here, so we were, we're going to invite everyone to join us in a, an ancient British tradition called the pub quiz. Uh, uh. And we've got some, well, slightly crap prizes to give away. <laughs> um, but I don't think we've got time to do it now. But maybe if you keep an eye on the APG feed, we'll arrange it maybe for tonight or okay. tomorrow night over at Mike's sure. aeroplane, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be great if you guys could come and join us all there and have some fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sounds
6: good, yeah. Thank you. Um, and
1: we mentioned at the beginning of the show that we were going to give a prize for the two, best two prizes. two prizes for the best question. So I'll leave. Uh, I'll hold, Well, okay. I'm not going to. Liz. Oh, is it Liz? Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, we can we can model them, Liz. You ready?
1: We have microphones here.
2: Sorry. Yeah. I think the number one best question has to be. <laughs> is it Sean? Darren. Darren, thank you. Darren, your question about CMS.
1: Yes. Congratulations. Right.
2: Yeah. Which prize? Is he get a choice? Yeah. So you have your choice of a, a coffee. We have a Virgin Atlantic flash drive. or have that says
3: just my cup of tea.
2: All right. All right. There you go. All right. There you go. Congratulations. Okay, and and the second prize has got to go to Nige for his question about (laughs) 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 poopery. (laughs) Poopery. Oh. Oh,
1: you're disqualified. Wow. Give it back. Well,
2: okay, <laughs> give it to someone. I like the. Uh, I think I think it's. The, oh. I think it's the flight attendant. That was a great yes, question. Give that question. Was, that great was an excellent question.
5: question. Hey, hey, Jeff, can I say one thing? Yes, you guys in Atlanta Tracon do an unbelievable job every day.
1: That yeah. But
4: <laughs> well, we all sound alike, yeah, except for that part. <laughs> yeah. We we I loved I love flying with you and listening to oh. you guys. But I'm so glad I don't have to do it anymore. Wait, we have <laughs> just wait, wait, wait. Been, we have just been informed that
1: this gentleman also has a podcast.
3: We need you to right. promote your, your podcast. What is here?
1: it?
8: It's called the Traffic Pattern Podcast with Derek Vento, and uh, primarily, essentially, what I do is. Each week, I host different guests within the aviation community. Hope to have Jeff on now. Yeah. Um, and we talk uh, about different angles, whether it's air traffic, control, flying in general. Um, it was pretty cool this morning. I just had a chance to sit down with Jimmy, uh, Tammy Joe Schultz from uh, Southwest. Yeah. Uh, that, just, just a remarkable individual. So uh, it's, it's been a fun endeavor so far, and uh, seeing you guys for the first time was pretty cool. So thanks to him for this. But uh, like I said, you guys do some great stuff, and I really do appreciate it. So I hope to talk to you on the frequency some time. Well, we soon. can't well, wait to hear uh, you. yeah. your Absolutely. show. And Landon wants to say something.
0: So I literally just met this guy 30 minutes prior to the show. I was sitting there trying to stuff my face because here at Oshkosh, there's so many squirrel moments. You kind of lose track of when you need to eat and when you need to have sustenance. Right. Uh, and he was like, hey, can I sit my stuff down on this table? I was like, yeah, sure. Fine. It's fine. Cool. Started talking. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm an air traffic controller. I was like, where are at? In Atlanta? I was like, really? Atlanta? He's like, yeah. I have my own podcast called The Traffic Pattern.
1: You need to come with me. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> oh, that's cool.
5: Brilliant. Woo! Welcome
0: Yep. And that's how.
1: Fun. As we said so many times, you know, this this is the best part of the show is just this wonderful community we have, it's, it's such a depth of knowledge and uh, such great people. Every to a team every one of you are just awesome. So thank you very much for coming out for our Osh Blast 2019 special. And anything else
4: before we sign off? Okay. just to thank so. you, fine folks, for pitching up and uh, enjoy the rest of Osh. Steven's got
3: something. The future of APG and anything for episode
1: 400. The future of APG. I've worked we really well, tried d- hard d- not this to this plan anything.
3: This was the pinnacle here. And <laughs> yeah, we we're done after this. Done. I, I just yeah. hope
4: I live that long.
2: <laughs>
1: I'm sure we'll be doing something. Yes. I don't know. Yeah.
3: I, yeah. I, I don't know if you can compare them that this way.
2: TBA Barbara, yeah.
1: to be announced.
3: Yeah. It's been wonderful. We'll say that. Yeah.
1: Thank you, everybody, for, for being here. Big round of applause for
3: all of the live audience here. Thank you for being here. We appreciate
1: it. Wishing you clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Take care. Talons, Douglas.
2: Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy.
7: Good day.
8: A good, good pilot. Till I started APG, I opened doors for little old ladies. I helped them to their seats. Airline pilot guy, I'm a flight attendant. Airline pilot guy. no friends cause I'm always flying. I just don't have the time. But I can land this old plane. I can land it just fine. Airline guy. I'm a home, oh, Airline guy.